It's high noon. It's t- Wednesday. Good stuff. Time stamp it. Day after. I don't even know. October 17th, maybe? The day after. 16th. Boy, oh boy. Are we having trouble today. Uh, sad face. Latoya, the sheriff of truth, will not be joining us. She has the sickness that I had last week, which I'm just getting over, so... If I'm making strange noises with my face hole, that is because I'm I'm actually feeling a lot better. Uh, or I mean, who knows? What are we going to talk about today? Crazy stuff happening in the world. Democrats being mean to Democrats. Ah, oh, can we just leave Elizabeth Warren? She's a she's a champion. She's a whoever her dermatologist is. My God, give that person a raise. She looks great. Uh, I have no idea how old she is. I'm assuming like maybe 62, but her skin looks flawless. Not that the way she looks has anything to do with the way I think about it, but just everybody else probably noticed that as well. They all do. They look, they look really great. Whoever their stylists are. I love, she looked like Elizabeth Warren looked like she just got out of yoga class. Like she was like, I'm (laughs) It was great. She was unzipped. She was it was, I, I loved her. I only could read, I was at work, so I had to read the um, the subtitles. And I was like, damn, Pete Buttigieg, bringing up my uterus, Buttigieg. I love it, like the gay guy's the one who goes, we've got to stop this wibbly nilly Roe v. Wade turning back and forth with the Supreme Court justices every time we have a new person in the White House. Every time a new person comes in, we have to worry about women's reproductive health and rights and human rights based around that. And I'm like, Buttigieg, bringing it up for the ladies. I'm like, the ladies aren't talking about the ladies. But the openly gay guy, which I, hey, dude, I'm down. I mean, if we're dealing with what we're dealing with now anyways, Trump is a big fake, fakey, take, fake it till you make it, whatever. All these people that were standing on the days last night, all of them are way, way, way more competent than what we have going on right now. They are not, they didn't just walk out the street, hey, I'm a businessman. Like, no, we've got senators, we've got Congress people, we have people who've been mayors and all kinds of other, I mean, crazy stuff so people who've actually been in politics doing politics yay and then like once it gets down to it what we have to nitpick each other I think this is all just to make us to to divide what should be together I mean all 11 of them should have stood up there and 12 and said hey this is ridiculous we need to talk about impeachment (laughs) I mean did they I didn't read that part I should I should we're gonna watch some videos today about it and also, sad face Latoya, the sheriff of truth, is ill. So I won't really get to know what's going on in the world. I was hoping we would get a phone call from old dumb face Steve Poggi out there in uh, 
Uh, Missouri. What's it called? St. Louis. My brain. Uh, Crazy things going on last Friday. um, Local comedian uh, Daphne Dorman uh, committed suicide. That sucked. She was at the very end of um, Dave Chappelle's Sticks and Stones um, special. That hey, I watched it, and I'm. I like to. Con- I mean, uh, how do I? Who do I? Who are my people, or whatever? I like to. I like to believe that I'm. I'm queer. I like to think that I'm in the LGBTQ. I. But then I'm like, ugh, am I appropriating gay culture? But then I'm like, but why would you appropriate something where everything is not is more difficult? And then it's like, I don't. You know, it's all. The ride on the bus inside my brain is crazy. I just don't understand uh, the world that we're living in. But also I think that that world has never understood me, which is why I kind of understand the whole Daphne debacle and the suicide. I mean, life's hard. You know, I get it. And, and I'm, hey, and if I think life's hard and I'm a privileged white lady in her 40s, I mean, I can't imagine, and and I still feel these feelings of like, I'll never be good enough. My way of life rails against society and isn't like accepted or like there's no parade, like, look at you, you have no student loans. There's no like, there's no parties for, I mean, for for anybody, right? There's not, who's getting celebrated, but life is hard and if something was even harder, like being born in the wrong, in the, in a body that didn't suit your identity, then that's gotta be what? That's so much harder. I mean, so high school is really, really, really difficult for me because I've always felt different and I don't know how to get along with people. And I don't know if that's a measure to mental illness or if that's not or maybe I am normal but I'm not like but I'm there is no normal blah 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 but then like I mean should I take mind mood altering drugs to make me more like normal like so I'll shut the fuck up and smile and be pleasant but then it's like you know I don't have to be so pejorative about it anyways we're having a fundraiser for suicide awareness on Friday November 1st and it's going to be a memorial for for Daphne and I I I mean I don't I didn't know her I don't think I knew her I mean I've done San Francisco comedy for many years and maybe that from the brainwash back in the day there was a a a trans a person see now that's the other thing I don't want it's a, a she's a person why do we have to mention the whole trans thing constantly why is it like Is it that big? Do we have to constantly out everybody with every turn? I mean, I don't know. Um, But she was 44. I get the pressure. I get the pressure. I get it. It's like, oof. And so we're having a um, comedy show (laughs) for suicide awareness. Sorry, that caught in my throat. But then because... I mean, it's a close thing to me. I tried to commit suicide when I was in high school because high school is hard. High school's hard for everyone. It was really hard for me. It was really, really hard. 
And I was like, I'm fucking out. I am out. And plus, I really loved Jesus at the time. So I was like, I'm going to heaven to be with Jesus. Like, why else would I want to be here? This place is awful. Girls are terrible. People don't like me. I try so hard and it's never good enough and I'm still weird. And then I think too much because I'm too narcissistic and I'm like, nobody's thinking about me anyway. But then they kind of are and then people are mean and you're like, really? Really? Anyways, it's all happening all over again. I, I, San Francisco comedy is the same as high school. I feel like a pile of dog shit so much just trying to be funny for an audience. It's like... It's like the cheerleading squad all over again, except looks don't matter anymore. <laughs> did they? I think they did with cheerleading. I don't know. But now that I'm getting old, like, what am I worth if I'm not pretty or and I'm not like sexually viable because of menopause? And oh my God. Okay, Altocast. See, this is why I didn't want to do this today by myself. Latoya, where are you? Because it's hard and I talk about dumb things. Let's, uh, and it's not dumb, and I don't mean to discount that. I mean, it's another thing that people aren't talking about. Like, oh, hey, you haven't, I haven't had my period in two months. It's freaking my shit out. And it's not, and it's because it's, I'm 45 now. That's just, that's what happens. That's, that's, hey, ladies, that's what happened. Nobody told me. No one talks about it, man. I need some help. Because, like, it's, <laughs> and then I'm just keep thinking, well, you just, it's like, just, all these women for all this past have just dealt with it and not fucking bitched about it. They've just been like, well, this is what happens. And I'm like, what? You've been doing, you did what? I, I'm just, it, it's flabber, I'm flabbergasted. And I'm embarrassed because suddenly I'm talking about this thing that is, ha but I'm just supposed to shut up about it because everyone else has dealt with it. So why can't you just deal with it? It's like the patriarchy. It's like, shut the fuck up about feminism. We get it. We're all here. We're a part of it. We're all living it. Enough. But, uh, so let's, if, if really we want to change the patriarchy, let's have a female president. And then we'll see if whoever she is as big a dickbag as our president now. Like, we've never tried it. Like, maybe it could work, right? I don't know. I, I could never, I can't be in charge of anything. Like, people? You gotta, ugh, it's so, it's so, I, I can't, and, uh, ugh, life. Okay, let's listen to Elizabeth Warren uh, fend off all of her uh, people, crazy, the craziness, the craziness from, uh, the craziness from, I'm sorry if that was bleeding through, I'm a terrible person today. Uh, this is Elizabeth Warren fends off attacks from 11 Democratic opponents in debate. Yes! Elizabeth Warren, currently the fastest rising candidate in the polls. Warren spent her night defending everything from her health care plan to her proposed tax on the wealthy. The 12 candidates also addressed the impeachment inquiry into President Trump. CBS News political correspondent Ed O'Keefe has more from outside the debate site in Westerville, Ohio. It was the fourth round of Democratic presidential debates, but the first set against the backdrop of an impeachment inquiry into President Trump, the man all the candidates on stage would like to replace. And on impeachment, there was near universal agreement. 
Donald Trump needs to be held accountable. Trump is the most corrupt president in the history of this country. I started the need to impeach movement. All 12 candidates in agreement on one topic, impeaching President Trump. I swore an oath to do my job as a senator, to do my duty. This president has violated his, I will do mine. And former Vice President Joe Biden tried once again to move the discussion away from his son Hunter and his work in Ukraine. My son did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. But it was Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren who has been rising in the polls and became a new target. Sometimes I think that Senator Warren is, is more focused on being punitive or, or pitting some part of the country against the other. She was hit on her plan for a wealth tax. The problem is that it's been tried in Germany, France, Denmark, Sweden, and all those countries ended up repealing it. And for once again refusing to say whether her health care plan would raise taxes on the middle class. Your signature, Senator, is to have a plan for everything except this. Medicare for all is the gold standard. We can pay for this. I've laid out the basic principles. Costs are going to go up for the wealthy. They're going to go up for big corporations. They will not go up for middle class families. At the end of the day, the overwhelming majority of people will save money on their health care bills. But I do think it is appropriate to acknowledge that taxes will go up. At least Bernie's being honest here and saying how he's going to pay for this and that go up. And I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but you have not said that. Everyone also agreed the president's troop withdrawal from Syria was a mistake. We have an erratic, crazy president who knows not a damn thing about foreign policy. Think about how absurd it is that this president is caging kids on the border and effectively letting ISIS prisoners run free. But they disagreed over how long U.S. troops should remain. You would continue to support having U.S. troops in Syria for an indefinite period of time. You can put an end to endless war without embracing Donald Will Trump's policy Will you end the regime change war is the question. What we're doing, or what we were doing in Syria, was keeping our word. Debate night concluded with some big news for Senator Bernie Sanders, who earned the endorsement of two well-known liberal lawmakers. Minnesota Congresswoman Ilhan Omar says that she's backing the Sanders presidential bid. And CBS News has learned that New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is set to endorse Sanders on Saturday at a rally in New York. Her endorsement is especially notable given that she has a large national following and because Senator Elizabeth Warren was also in hot pursuit of her support. Anne-Marie and Vlad? All right, Ed, thank you very much. CBSN political reporter Caitlin Huey Burns was also at last night's debate, and she joins us now from Westerville. So, Caitlin, uh, it goes without saying that it was a challenging night for Senator Warren, uh, but it seemed to mm -hmm. indicate that she was the front runner because you had everybody on that stage going after her, and no one really went after Vice President Biden at all. Right. I think last night was the best indication of Elizabeth Warren's rise to frontrunner status. That's how all of her uh, fellow candidates, most of them at least, were treating her last night. Several of them coming with prepared attacks, kind of part of a strategy to uh, go after her. I want to focus on some of the attacks waged by Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, uh, because those kind of represent what this party is debating right now. This idea of, of moderation versus big 
big and bold policies that Elizabeth Warren is championing. Uh, Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg were trying to make the case that a lot of these plans that Elizabeth Warren has been uh, promoting, a lot of her ideas uh, aren't practical in uh, in the reality that is Washington, and they want to stress kind of the more moderate wing of the Democratic Party. So that was a strategic approach by both of them, both of them needing to rise in the polls as well. Um, it was interesting, too, that you didn't see the candidates really go after Joe Biden, even though they had somewhat of a big opening earlier because Hunter Biden, his son, gave that interview uh, to GMA yesterday talking about uh, his job at that Ukrainian uh, energy and gas company that's really at the heart of the impeachment inquiry. Uh, and the calculation there is that a lot of these candidates have tried to go after Biden before, only to see it backfire later. I think the difference with uh, Elizabeth Warren is that she's a new front runner and she doesn't have the status in the Democratic Party, uh, the kind of, um, you know, establishment presence that Joe Biden did uh, and does uh, among kind of base Democratic voters who feel like they they knew Joe Biden. She's still uh, introducing herself to some people. But, you know, the campaign expected that. They know that they're uh, rising in the polls. They've been uh, really, you know, working towards this gradual rise. And so they expected to be uh, at the center of attacks and believe they believe that she weathered those criticisms uh, pretty well. So one of the candidates that a lot of people are talking about this morning is Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar. You spoke to her last night. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a listen to how that conversation went. Well, we need a candidate that can win in the Midwest, uh, that can win in those states of Michigan and Wisconsin, and let's add in Pennsylvania, as well as Iowa, and yes, Minnesota, my home state. And I have the track record. I'm the only one on that stage that has a track record of not just doing in some fluke election. Time and time again, I've overperformed what our national ticket has done, and I've done it by winning in the red areas and in suburban areas like this one. So the key is to snag some of these moderate, possibly swing voters. How is she being received by moderate voters? Even her presentation is quite moderate, don't mm, you think? Mm. How is she being received by these moderate voters? Right. Well, she has been lower down in the polls, but got a lot of speaking time last night. I think according to the calculations, she was about third in terms of speaking uh, time in last night's debate. So really kind of made her presence known. And again, part of that calculation to draw that contrast with Elizabeth Warren. Uh, she is from Minnesota. She, was, she has uh, been talking about winning back the Midwest as part of her key pitch to voters ever since she got in. And the backdrop of Ohio and uh, especially suburban Ohio, where the debate was last night was really critical for Democrats and something that they wanted to uh, make a point about last night and by hosting the debate here. There is this question about how Democrats can win back areas like Ohio and other states in, in the Midwest. Uh, do you do it by trying to convert Trump voters back to the Democratic side? Do you do it by trying to increase turnout in the more diverse cities in these Midwestern states? Areas like Cleveland or areas like Detroit or or uh, do you, you know, focus on suburbs like Westerville, suburb of Columbus, where we've seen a trend from red to blue, uh, voters turning against Republicans and towards Democrats. That seems to be the focus of Democrats, at least last night. Um, let me ask you real quickly uh, about Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, Caitlin. This is uh, the first time we've seen him on this stage uh, since his heart attack. He thanked uh, the uh, folks who are supporting him, but also the fellow candidates uh, for their well wishes. One thing that was interesting 
interesting is these high-profile endorsements that he is getting. Although of the squad, I note that he does not have the endorsement as of yet of Ayanna Presley, which is kind of interesting because he's got Ilhan right. Omar, he's got AOC, um, he's got Rashida Tlaib. So are folks still feeling the burn? It does strike me that Senator Sanders is still one of the frontrunners. Right. The, the uh, Ayanna Presley is a uh, Massachusetts representative. So is she holding out for someone like Elizabeth Warren? We'll we'll wait to see. But I think if you were watching last night, you would never know that Bernie Sanders just recently had a heart attack. And that was also a message that the campaign really wanted to put forward. And you also saw him draw uh, upon that experience to talk about his signature issue, which is Medicare for all. Uh, and so you're going to see him have a kind of re, you know, a re kickoff rally, so to Income speak. In New York this weekend where Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is expected to endorse him. And now that isn't a huge surprise, but it does give him uh, some serious momentum, I think, or at least another credential. Uh, yeah, right. We'll tell these the people camera. to shut up for a second. Uh, yeah. Hey, Bernie didn't. Uh, he's he says the things I, I like, man. I I'm a Marxist. Straight up 100 percent. We should be taken care of. We should be. I mean, socialism can work. Communism doesn't work, but socialism can work because communism, you have to give a crap about the people around you. Communism only works in groups of 50 or smaller because you have to know everybody's names because you have to hold everybody accountable because that's the way it works. Otherwise, they go, well, they, just do, and then they don't do anything. Well, if you're truly in a commune, everyone has to do what they have to do because otherwise it doesn't get done and you need it. Like, if you're the milk, if you're the, cow milker and you don't milk the cows then your cows get sick and no one has milk you can't make the cheese the cheese lady's mad at you all right socialism communism communism just a red herring uh this is bernie sanders saying things that i believe like billionaires shouldn't exist an alarming rate the top one percent now own more of this nation's wealth and the bottom 90 percent combined senator sanders when you introduced your wealth tax, which would tax the assets of the wealthiest Americans, you said, quoting you, Senator, billionaires should not exist. Is the goal of your plan to tax billionaires out of existence? When you have a half a million Americans sleeping out on the street today, when you have 87 people, 87 million people uninsured or underinsured, when you got hundreds of thousands of kids who cannot afford to go to college and millions struggling with the oppressive burden of student debt. And then you also have three people owning more wealth than the bottom half of American society. That is a moral and economic outrage. And the truth is we cannot afford to continue this level of income and wealth inequality, and we cannot afford a billionaire class whose greed and corruption has been at war with the working families of this country for 45 years. So if you're asking me, do I think we should demand that the wealthy start paying the wealthiest, top one-tenth of one percent, start paying their fair share of taxes so we can create a nation and a government that works for all of us? Yes, that's exactly what I believe. Thank you, Senator. <laughs> Mr. Steyer. You are the lone billionaire on this stage. Oh. What's your plan for closing the income gap? Well, first of all, let me say this. Senator Sanders is right. 
There have been 40 years where corporations have bought this government, and those 40 years have meant a 40-year attack on the rights of working people and specifically on organized labor. And the results are as shameful as Senator Sanders says, both in terms of assets and in terms of income. It's absolutely wrong. It's absolutely undemocratic and unfair. I was one of the first people on this stage to propose a wealth tax. I would undo every Republican tax cut for rich people and major corporations. But there's something else going on here that is absolutely shameful, and that's the way the money gets split up in terms of earnings. As a result of taking away the rights of working people in organized labor, people haven't had a raise. 90% of Americans have not had a raise for 40 years. If you took the minimum wage from 1980 and just adjusted it for inflation, you get 11 bucks. It's seven and a quarter. If you included the productivity gains of American workers, it'd be over 20 bucks. There's something wrong here, and that is that the corporations have bought our government. Our government has failed. That's why I'm running for president, because we're not going to get any of the policies that everybody on this stage wants, health care, education, Green New Deal Thank or a you, living Mr. wage, Sire. unless we break the power of these corporations. Thank you, Mr. Sire. Vice President Biden, you have warned against demonizing rich people. Do you believe that Senator Sanders and Senator Warren's wealth tax plans do that? No, look, I, demonizing wealth people, what I talked about is how you get things done. And the way to get things done is take a look at the tax code right now. The idea, we have to start rewarding work, not just wealth. I would eliminate the capital gains tax. That in, I, would, I would raise the capital gains tax to the highest rate of 39.5%. I would double it. Because guess what? Why in God's name should someone who's clipping coupons in the stock market make, in fact, pay a lower tax rate than someone who, in fact, is, uh, like I said, the, a school teacher and a firefighter? It's ridiculous, and they pay a lower tax. Secondly, the idea that we, in fact, engage in this notion that there are one point, there's one trillion, $640 billion in tax loopholes. You can't justify a minimum $600 billion of that. We could eliminate it all. I could go into detail had I the time. Secondly, the th I mean, thirdly, what we need to do is we need to go out and make it clear to the American people that we are going to. We are going to raise taxes on the wealthy. We're going to reduce tax burdens on those who are not. And this is one of the reasons why these debates are kind of crazy, because everybody tries to squeeze everything into every answer that is given. The fact is, everybody's right about the fact that the fourth industrial revolution is costing jobs. It is. The fact is also corporate greed. If they're going back and not investing in their employees, they're reinvesting and buying back their stock. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. See, Thank you, Mr. Vice thing. President. S Senator Warren, your response. So I think this is about our values as a country. Show me your budget, show me your tax plans, and we'll know what your values are. And right now in America, the top one-tenth of one percent have so much wealth. Understand this, that if we put a two-cent tax on their 50 millionth and first dollar, and on every dollar after that, we would have enough money to provide universal child care for every baby in this country, age zero to five. Universal pre-K for every child. Raise the wages of every child care worker and preschool teacher in America. 
provide for universal tuition-free college, put $50 billion into historically black colleges and universities, Thank and you, cancel, Senator Warren. no, let me finish, please, and cancel student loan debt Yay. for 95% of the people who have it. My question is not why do Bernie and I support a wealth tax, it's why is it does everyone else on this stage think it is more important to protect billionaires than it is to invest in an entire generation of Americans. Thank you, Senator Warren. No one Mayor is supporting billionaires. Mayor Buttigieg, your response. I'm all for a wealth tax. I'm all for just about everything that was just mentioned in these answers. Let me tell you, though, how this looks from the industrial Midwest where I live. Washington politicians, congressmen and senators, saying all the right things, offering the most elegant policy prescriptions, and nothing changes. I didn't even realize it was unusual to have empty factories that I would see out the windows of my dad's Chevy Cavalier when he drove me to school. I didn't know that wasn't every city until I went away to college. Now, I drive my own Chevy, it's a Chevy Cruze. Used to be built right in Lordstown, which is now one more symbol of the broken promises that this president has made to workers. But why did workers take a chance on this president in the first place? It's because it felt like nobody was willing to actually do anything. And while he's unquestionably made it dramatically worse, <laughs> this is time to realize that we're paying attention to the wrong things. We're paying attention you, to who sounded Thank better you, on a debate Judge. stage. Yay, Senator 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 will a wealth tax, will a wealth tax work? Um, it could work. I am open to it. But I want to give a reality check here to Elizabeth, because no one on this stage wants to protect billionaires. Not even the billionaire wants to protect billionaires. Uh, we just have different approaches. Your idea is not the only idea. And when I look at this, I think about Donald Trump, the guy that after that uh, tax bill passed, went to Mar-a-Lago, got together with his cronies, and said, guess what? You guys all got a lot richer. That was the one time in his presidency he told the truth. So we have different ways. I would repeal significant portions of that tax bill that helped the rich, including what he did with the corporate tax rate, including what he did on international taxation. You add it all up, you got a lot of money that one helps pay for that child care, protects that dignity of work, make sure we have decent retirement, and make sure that our kids can go to Thank good you. schools. Sen it is not one Thank idea you, that rules here. Senator Warren, please respond. So understand, taxing income is not going to get you where you need to be the way taxing wealth does. That the rich are not like you and me. The really, really billionaires are making their money off their accumulated wealth, and it just keeps growing. We need a wealth tax in order to make investments in the next generation. Look, I understand hey, that Elizabeth. this is hard, but I think as Democrats, we are going to succeed when we dream big and fight hard, not when we dream small and quit before we get started. Oh, I would like to respond to that. Senator Klobuchar. Well, well, well. Elizabeth defending herself against all of the other Democrats. Democrats fighting Democrats. Babies fighting babies. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they're not babies. They're amazing people, and they all have great ideas. Do they? Hey, Yang Gang. There's a lot of. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. Everybody, just get out and vote. Which brings me to another comedy show that's going to be coming up here at Mutiny Radio on November 2nd. It's the Get Out the Vote 
comedy show. It's just going to be political comics being political. I'll probably tell some abortion jokes, you know. Uh, but yeah, we're hey, we're trying to do all kinds of things down here at Mutiny Radio to keep free speech alive. And for the love of God, protect labor, please. Please, someone value labor. Literally and figuratively, women go through labor, and yet we don't give a shit about their children once they have them. I can't have kids. That's fine. Not, no more. No, I'm not. This uterus will will wither away into disuse without its real purpose, its God-intended purpose. I'm glad. Did anybody talk about God? We shouldn't look that up. <laughs> That's the thing, is all the Midwesterners are like, these heathens, they never mentioned God, not once. A lot of people believe that's great. Hey, believe in something. I hope, I believe in Steve Poggi. I hope he calls. It would be great if he called for some Call Me Tim and he could get a little, a little therapy done. For me, he's doing great. Uh, so checking out the biggest moments from the New York Times slash CNN debate last night, according to CNN Politics. Uh, we'll, we'll, fi- we'll figure this out. I, I mean, I think that I just felt like everyone was attacking poor, poor Lizzie. Everybody was on her butt, but I guess that means from what the other people said, that means she's the front runner. So that's good. I guess. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, the biggest moments, Buttigieg to O'Rourke. I don't need lessons from you. Former Representative Beto O'Rourke of Texas and South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg sparred over O'Rourke's suggestion for a mandatory buyback of AR-15s and AK-47s and the logistics behind that policy. Two guys talking about guns. Texas and Indiana people where people like guns. They like guns there. They need to have their guns. Do they need to have their guns? Why can't Californians have guns? Because they're always triggered. Am I right? But um, ah, cue the hilarity. I mean, it's not even an issue that I even. I'm like, yeah, get rid of the guns. Stop it with all the guns. Uh. So they fought about that. Klobuchar to Warren, you're making GOP talking points. Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota went after front runner, runner Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts for her support of the Medicare for All single payer health care plan. The difference between a plan and a pipe dream is something you can actually get done, Klobuchar said. Okay, hey, Lizzie, I, like I said before, I love your dermatologist. Whoever is doing your skin is doing a great job also amy klobuchar same thing really good um maybe not as much botox am i a terrible person because i (laughs) but i do like um i i I like i like i like all the democrats but i found it very interesting i think that we were all here last week with all of the military presenting their gifts to the world. I mean, I get it. They work really hard at their job and they want to show off in the flying, but maybe we could do it once every five years or something because I kind of would like Ms. Warren to stand up and say, you know what, we just don't have the money for Fleet Week this year. How about we just take that $65 million and I don't know, how's everyone in San Francisco? 
we could, you know. 8,500 homeless people as the planes are flying overhead. And uh, that costs millions of dollars. And they are over 50 and living outside. So if anyone has a heart, just so you know, they did a the street sheet. I just saw that they did the census. And over 50% of the homeless population in San Francisco are over 50. And I bet they have the same cough that I do right now because I ride Muni and they're sleeping on the street with this cough and I'm at least in a nice building and and the planes were going overhead and we're just, we just go, that's Fleet Week. There it is, Fleet Week. When we could actually use that money for something else. When they say, well, where are we going to get this money from? For your Medi-Cal or wherever. Yeah, hey. I'll find the money. I'm not, I don't even know anything. And I could find the money for you. No problem. Oh, we want to send everyone to school for free. Great. The money's there. Just got to take it out of Fleet Week and other things, I'm sure. Buttigieg and Warren go head to head over health care. Warren became the main target of the race Tuesday. In addition to attacks from Klobuchar, Warren was criticized by Buttigieg for refusing to give a yes or no answer to questions about the cost of Medicare for all plans. Biden. My son did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. I think he doth protest too much. Former Vice President Joe Biden began respo- uh, responded to Donald Trump's attacks on him and his son Hunter Biden concerning his son's business ties to foreign countries. Gabbard, oh, I didn't even know who she was. God, she's really pretty. Wow. Gabbard and Buttigieg spar over Trump's Syria withdrawal. And it shouldn't matter. Should it matter what they look like? Buttigieg is a good-looking guy, too. Hey, and Yang Gang, we're not even mentioning Yang. Wow, he didn't even... Interesting. He didn't even get any of the top moments. Buttigieg and Representative Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii got into a heated exchange over Trump's decision to withdraw troops from Syria and how they would have handled the situation in the region. What Warren, Biden, and Sanders say about their ages... Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, Biden, and Warren were the oldest candidates on the stage. And uh, Warren takes a jab at Biden while complimenting Obama. Warren took a veiled jab at Biden after crediting former President Barack Obama with supporting the creation of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Impeach, yes, candidates say, but don't divide us more. Candidates commented on impeachment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who won? Uh, I'd like to see what... Uh, here, we'll listen to some music while I get some more stuff going. Buttigieg is my boy. Uh, This is all the way back from May 17th, 2019. So last night on the days, uh, Buttigieg was, he brought up uh, and started talking about codifying Roe v. Wade and and he's actually said it 
before. So this is from May 17th, 2019. South Bend mayor and Democratic presidential hopeful Pete Buttigieg is speaking out about the wave of anti-abortion laws being passed by state legislators all around the country. At the City Club in Chicago, he said writing into law the Roe v. Wade landmark U.S. Supreme Court ruling that legalized abortion is an idea that deserves to be taken seriously. Buttigieg says he understands abortion is a controversial topic. There are people I love, people I trust, people who support me politically, who view this issue differently than I do, said the mayor. But I must say that I don't think that you are free in this country if your reproductive health can be criminalized. God bless this man. This is great. He also talked about Alabama's new law. To see in Alabama that if someone is raped and she seeks an abortion, the doctor who treats her will be penalized with a longer prison sentence than her rapist. This makes me question whether the decision about freedom in this country has really gone off the rails. In addition to that measure, Missouri is set to enact a ban on abortions after the eighth week of pregnancy. The only exception would be to save the life of the mother and victims of rape or incest would be forced to give birth to the baby. Michigan lawmakers this week voted to outlaw dilation and evacuation abortions, although Governor Whitmer will veto this legislation. So, Buttigieg, with the weird last name, he gives a shit about women. Thank you. I'm, thanks, bro. What do you think? Give me a call. 415-550-0511. Should you pay attention? Um, Elizabeth uh, Warren. This is some of her latest plans. Securing LGBTQ rights and equality. I'm, hey, I'm down. 50 years after transgender women of color, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera helped lead the Stonewall riots, the LGBTQ plus rights movement they launched has made incredible strides toward equality and justice for all. In 1993, Minnesota became the first state to ban anti-trans discrimination. In 2003, the Supreme Court ruled in Lawrence versus Texas that laws criminalizing same-sex relationships were unconstitutional. In 2004, Massachusetts became the first state to legalize gay, legalize marriage equality. And in 2015, the Supreme Court legalized marriage equality across the nation. But 50 years after Stonewall, true equality is still far off for the LGBTQ plus people. One in four LGBTQ plus people report experiencing discrimination on the basis of their sexual orientation or gender identity over the course of a single year. Nearly one in three transgender people who visited a healthcare provider's office in 2017 were turned away because of their gender identity. More than half of LGBTQ students report feeling unsafe at school because of their sexual orientation, and nearly half reported to feeling unsafe because of their gender expression. Queer or trans youth are two to four times as likely to be homeless largely due to family rejection. LGBTQ plus people, especially transgender people of color, are disproportionately likely to be incarcerated and experience high levels of police profiling and misconduct. Black, indigenous, and Latinx transgender people are more than three times as likely to live in poverty as the U.S. population as a whole. And at least 18 black trans women have been killed so far this year. This crisis demands action. Yes. 
Yes, Elizabeth Warren, reading off her website. And our hard-won progress is under attack. This week, the Supreme Court heard three new cases, Altitude Express Inc. versus Zarada Bostock Inc. First, or Attitude Express Inc. versus Zarda, Bostock versus Clayton County, and RG and GR Harris Funeral Homes versus EEOC that threatened to roll back LGBTQ plus rights, allowing employers to fire workers because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Now that President Trump has appointed two new justices, Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch, to the Supreme Court, could set LGBTQ plus rights back by years. The stakes are high and people are scared. No matter what happens at the Supreme Court, we need a president who will lift up the voices of every LGBTQ plus person, stand up the discrimination and fight back. Here's she's as the president, I will fight to shoulder to shoulder with them because no one should ever be unsafe, unheard or disempowered because of who they are or who they love. Thanks, Elizabeth. Like equal justice under the law. First, I will fight to pass the Equality Act to explicitly guarantee that no more LGBTQ plus person in America is discriminated against for who they are, who they love. Today, federal law still does not expressly prohibit firing a transgender person because of their gender identity, evicting a bisexual person because of their same-sex partner move-in, or deliberately misgendering a non-binary student in the classroom. There should be absolutely no question that LGBTQ plus Americans have equal rights under the law. That's why I'm an original co-sponsor of the Equality Act, which would amend existing civil rights law to explicitly ban discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity in employment, housing, health care, education, public accommodations, credit, jury selection, and all federally funded services. And if Senate Republicans put small-minded partisanship, again, ahead of protecting these rights, I will end the filibuster so that we have a path to getting critical legislation like the Equality Act passed. We also must prevent the weaponization of religion to discriminate against or harm LGBTQ plus people. Yes! The freedom of worship is a core American value, but the Trump White House has weaponized the language of religion by giving federal agencies, government contractors, and grantees a license to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people as long as they claim they discriminated for a religious reason. Religious liberty should not be used to shield bigotry. So religious liberty should not be used to shield bigotry. As president, I would fight to pass the Do No Harm Act to return the religious freedom restoration to its original goal of protecting religious minorities and further clarify that this law can't be used to harm LGBTQ plus people. But we can't just wait for Congress to act. In my first 100 days as president, I will use every legal tool we have to make sure LGBTQ plus people can live free from discrimination. We will restore and strengthen critical Obama-era non-discrimination protections that the Trump administration gutted. We will also take steps to affirmatively expand LGBTQ plus non-discriminatory protections through regulation and executive action, including by ending TSA screening practices that single out transgender people, taking an overtly broad religious exemption to non-discrimination and limiting Title IX waivers that allow colleges and universities to suspend students for being LGBTQ+. I can't believe that people can do that. 
I'll just finish it out. This is what she's... Uh, my administration will also make LGBTQ plus non-discrimination a condition of federal grants. In 2014, President Barack Obama issued a groundbreaking executive order barring federal contractors and subcontractors from discriminating against LGBTQ plus employers, employees. I will build on that legacy by requiring organizations that receive federal grants to have a clear non-discrimination policy prohibiting discrimination against the LGBTQ people they serve. And my administration will ensure that grantees, especially community-based organizations, have access to training and technical assistance so they can fully comply. All right. I'm down, Liz. Let's get her. I mean, so these are just some numbers. 59.5% of LGBTQ plus students felt unsafe at school because of their sexual orientation. 42.1% of transgender and gender non-conforming students have been prevented from using their preferred name or pronoun. And 70.1% of LGBTQ plus students have experienced verbal harassment, called names or threatened at school based on their sexual orientation. Yeah. So plans, Warren's plans. She actually has plans. Can, can Trump even read this much? Can he even read? Uh, climate crisis, getting big money out of politics. Jump to, I want to see what she has to say about women. Protecting a woman's right to choose. All right, this matters to me. White ring Republican lawmakers in Alabama just enacted the most extreme abortion ban in over 40 years. The new law bans abortion at every stage of pregnancy, doesn't include exceptions for rape and incest, and could result in doctors who perform an abortion being thrown into prison for up to 99 years. Republicans in Missouri are following close behind with a bill of their own. And it's not just Alabama and Missouri. This year alone, four states have passed laws that would effectively prohibit abortion before when many women even know they are pregnant. 55 laws that would ban all or most abortions have been introduced in state legislators this year so far. And 18 states have laws that could be used to restrict abortion in the event Roe v. Wade was overturned including bans on lying in wait that would be triggered if Roe is struck down. Don't do it. Don't strike it down. Roe v. Wade established a woman's constitutional right to a safe and legal abortion and has been the law in the land for over 46 years. These extremist Republican lawmakers know what the law is, but they don't care. They want to turn back the clock, outlaw abortion, and deny women access to reproductive health care. And they're hoping the Supreme Court will back their radical play. I'll be blunt, it just might work. President Trump has packed the courts with extreme anti-choice judges. Senate Republicans stole a Supreme Court seat and rammed through the confirmation of Justice Kavanaugh last year in order to cement an anti-choice majority on the Supreme Court. Even if the Supreme Court doesn't overrule Roe immediately, it could use these laws as an excuse to continue chipping away at this precedent. That's been happening for decades, and it's already had a huge effect on access. As of 2014, 90% of counties in the U.S. did not have an abortion clinic. Access to quality reproductive health services, including a safe and legal abortion, is essential to a woman's health and economic security. But systematic barriers have made it especially difficult for low-income women and women of color to get access to the reproductive health care they need. 
Federal funds are prohibited from being used for abortion care, which disproportionately affects women of color who are more likely to experience unintended pregnancies and more likely to seek abortions. All the while, the Trump administration has been relentless in its efforts to undermine women's health care. They've tried to defund Planned Parenthood, spreading abstinence-only education and limiting access to contraception, all of which are likely to result in more unplanned pregnancies, not fewer. And they have worked to gag doctors, spread misinformation, and support so-called crisis pregnancy centers that go out of their way to present misleading and incomplete reproductive health care information to women. Court challenges will continue, and the next president can begin to undo some of the damage by appointing neutral and fair judges who actually respect the law and cases like Roe against, instead of right-wing ideologues bent on rolling back constitutional rights. But separate from these judicial fights, Congress has a role to play as well. Congress should pass new federal laws that protect access to reproductive health care from right-wing ideologues in the states. Federal laws that ensure real access to birth control and abortion care for all women. Federal laws that federal laws that will stand no matter what the Supreme Court does. Good. Great. And then she goes into like actual things that she'll do and stuff. But we have to you know. The only good thing about menopause is I'm not gonna have to have any more abortions. <laughs> I'm writing these jokes. They're just coming out. Here's another one-liner I wrote last night. I really like it. I always like to do LSD on a first date, so at least I know we have some chemistry between us. Uh? The other thing was, should we say make, or it's meth or LSD, because both are involved in chemistry, right? I always like to make meth on a first date, so then at least I know we have some chemistry between us. <laughs> I'll work it out. I'll work it out this week. But the the only good thing about... Well, there's two good things about menopause. One, my underwear have never been happier. Ha <laughs> And two, I'll, I'll never have to have any more abortions. It's great. Other than that, I'm losing my mind. I'm losing it. That's crazy. Uh, let's look up Yang and what he has to say. I cried a river over you. All right, let's see. This is fun. Always wanted to ask Andrew a question. Now's your chance. This Friday, October 18th, he'll be answering questions live all day long. <gasps> Join Andrew. We did it. Uh, he wants me to donate. I want to learn about what he's got. Human-centered capitalism. Freedom dividend. Here it is. This is this is this is his. Andrew would implement the freedom dividend, a universal basic income of a thousand dollars a month, twelve thousand dollars a year for every American adult over the age of eighteen. This is an independent of one's. This is independent of one's work status or any other factor. This would enable all Americans to pay their bills, educate themselves, start businesses, be more creative, stay healthy relocate for work, spend their time with their children, take care of loved ones, and have a real stake in the future. Other than regular increases to keep up the cost of living, any change to the freedom dividend would require a constitutional amendment. It will be illegal to lend or borrow against one's dividend. <gasps> That's great. A universal basic income at this level would permanently grow the economy by 
by 12.56 to 13.10%, or about $2.5 trillion by 2025. And it would increase the labor force by 4.5 to 4.7 million people. Putting money into people's hands and keeping it there would be a perpetual boost and support to job growth in the economy. $1,000 a month would change Mutiny Radio forever. Like, honestly, Andrew Yang, buddy, a thousand dollars a month would completely change what I I would be able to I would be able to actually spend money at Mutiny Radio because my stipend would be covered. I could actually like invest in the business, which I guess you're supposed to do in businesses. But I've just never had like I can't afford to paint the walls. I you know like toilet paper is an issue. I mean. Paper products shouldn't be an issue, but it is. They're expensive, and I can't. I mean, paper towels, that's sort of just wasteful. But, oh, man, if I had a 1000 bucks a month uh, as just as an artist, it would change everything. And I know for a lot of other artists, too, for a lot of other anybody, uh, the next 12 years, one out of three American workers are at risk of losing their jobs to new technologies. And unlike with previous waves of automation, this time, new jobs will not appear quickly enough in large enough numbers to make up for it. To avoid an unprecedented crisis, we're going to have to find a new solution, un unlike anything we've ever done before. And it all begins with a freedom dividend, a universal basic income for all American adults, no strings attached, a foundation on which a stable, prosperous, and just society can be built. How would we pay for the freedom dividend. It would be easier than you might think. Andrew proposes funding the freedom dividend by consolidating some welfare programs and implementing an added tax, added value tax of 10%. Current welfare and social program beneficiaries would be given a choice between their current benefits or $1,000 cash unconditionally. Most would prefer the cash with no restrictions. Now here's my question, do I lose my Medi-Cal? Because I want $1,000, but I don't want to pay it. I don't want to just change it from like, I want my health. I want to keep my health care. Do I get to keep my health care? Jesus. Uh, value, an added value tax, a VAT, is a tax on the production of goods and services a business produces. It's a fair tax that makes it much harder for larger corporations who are experts at hiding profits and income to avoid paying their fair share. A VAT is nothing new. 160 out of 193 countries in the world already had a valued added, added, added tax or something similar, including all of Europe, which has a VAT of 20%. The means of paying for the basic income will come from four sources. Current spending. We currently spend between 500 and 600 billion a year on welfare programs, food stamps, disability, and the like. This reduces the cost of the freedom dividend because people already receiving benefits would have a choice between keeping their current benefits and the $1,000 and would not receive both. Additionally, we currently spend over $1 trillion on healthcare, incarceration, homelessness services, and the like. We would save 100 to 200 plus billion as people would be able to take better care of themselves and avoid the emergency room, jail, and the street would be generally more functional. The Freedom Dividend would pay for itself by helping people avoid our institutions, which is where our costs shoot up. Some studies have shown that a dollar to a poor parent will result in as much as $7 in cost savings and economic growth. 
a VAT. Our economy is now incredibly vast at 19 trillion, up to 4 trillion in the last 10 years alone. A VAT at half the European level would generate 800 billion in new revenue. A VAT will become more and more important as technology improves because you cannot collect income tax from robots or software. Smart man. New revenue. Putting money in the hands of American consumers would grow the economy. The Roosevelt Institute projected that the economy would grow by approximately 2.5 trillion and create 4.6 million new jobs. This would generate approximately 800 to 900 billion in new revenue from economic growth. Four, taxes on top earners and pollution. By removing the social security cap, implementing a financial transaction tax, and ending the favorable tax treatment for capital gains and carried interest, we can decrease financial speculation while also funding the freedom dividend. (coughs) We can add that a carbon fee will be partially dedicated to funding the freedom dividend, making up the remaining balance of what this costs to cover this program. Well, Yang, hey, as long as you don't take away my, um, as long as you don't take away my medical, I'm fine. I mean, but food stamps, take them away. Oh my God. If you give me a thousand dollars a month, clearly I don't need food stamps. I'm fine. I could go out to nice dinners, but I would totally reinvest in Muni Radio. That's, that's what I, that's what I'd do. I'm gonna, it's one o'clock. You've been listening to me for an hour, which is far too long. I'm gonna put on some cool stuff. Um, no more political stuff. I'll just, I'll just put on some, some good music. Flat Black Plastic is a show that's here every Saturday from noon to two. And he's a genius. Scotto Walker. Scotto Walker. Uh, he's genius. He's great. And he puts on a great show. So I'm just gonna put on his from last week and because I didn't have I didn't have my good friend here it was so difficult it's so hard for me without you Latoya I hope she feels better this sickness it it only lasted a week but I'm pretty sure I got it from the bus it was either the bus or I shared I accident did I accidentally I accidentally drank the rest of someone's beer the other night and that could have been where I got it. But I pretty much think it was from the bus on the way home. I'm I'm almost completely highly certain. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today on the AltaCast. Next week, hopefully, LaToya will be back. And things won't be as crazy for me. Um, but check out Mutiny Radio. Come to a comedy show every Friday at 8 o'clock. The Comedy Clubhouse on Friday the 1st. It'll actually be a fundraiser for suicide awareness for the SF Suicide Awareness Program in the light of the suicide of Daphne Dorman, which is very sad and the loss to the comedy community. And just any person, um, and for comics, I know it's hard. I feel like a piece of dog shit all the time. Not like I'm, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, it's esoteric and it's, it's, it's deep and it's difficult and it's hard to be such a narcissist and, um, and not that I'm calling, I'm just, I understand. I understand when things get desperate because comedy is hard and 
being on stage is hard and being vulnerable and honest is what makes makes good comedy and then when you're vulnerable and honest then you're opening yourself up to people around you then and that's difficult and comedians are mean they can be mean they can be nice but they can also be very mean and clickish and it's hard and i don't know i don't know what what she was experiencing and what made her take her life and i'm i and i but i don't think any hey there's hope no i know a couple of people whose families have been so so desperately affected by suicide and um and it i mean that's the thing that people matter i mean isn't that what it's what are we here for see i get i get to i get too deep and dark uh let's listen to some flat black plastic it's a great show here on mutiny radio every saturday from noon to two uh please listen to other shows press that donate button Please, please, please do that and uh, come to an open mic and donate there too because I need your help to keep the doors open. Uh, thanks for joining me on the AltaCast. I've been your host, Pam Benjamin, for all of you that were listening to... I, I'm sorry. It's so hard without LaToya. I'm telling you, I did my best. So I hope that you enjoyed the debates last night and my little recap of it here for the next hour of Flat Black Plastic. Coming up at 2 o'clock, some call me Tim, hopefully... Steve Poggi's going to call in. If not, I'll work it out. Thank you. 
Let's get rid of this weird music. It's yeah, Steve Poggi! Sounds like you're still an instinct nowadays. It sounds like what? It sounded like it sounds like we're crying and, and it's some weird music. It was a uh, flat black plastic and I don't know, he's playing some record and whatever. I was oh. I was just uh I ended the Alticast early because I was like, I just can't I can't I can't talk anymore. I have no Latoya. But you called, you called. Yeah. How are you doing? I tried to call a couple times, but you have a show called Kill Yourself or something? A show called Kill Yourself? Yeah. Uh, not that I know of. There's one called Pop I, Off. and. No, I, I called one time and some guy was filling in for you guys because you were still out of town. Huh. And he, I was like, oh, hey, I thought maybe Pam on the toilet was back. And he's like, oh, I'm just playing some music for my new podcast. And I was like, oh, all right, all right what's it called? And he's like, Kill Yourself. <laughs> Whoa. I, like, hmm, I am not sure you're telling me the truth. Yeah, I, I don't think he was. Um, we're having a we're having a, a comedy show for suicide awareness. Did you hear about the? Did that make it all the way to Missouri? The um, the suicide of the comedian lady, the um, trans comedian. No, what yeah. happened? So, um, did you watch the Dave Chappelle um, sticks and stones thing on Netflix? I did. You did. And so at the end, he goes through, there's pictures of people and stuff. And I guess um, there's a picture of him and Daphne. And he kind of called her out or whatever on his special. Um, and she's a trans comedian. And she committed suicide last Friday on the 11th. And so there was like this big international sort of like, even Breitbart, I saw it on Breitbart. They're like, Dave Chappelle is not responsible for this suicide or something. Um, and anyways, so anyways, it was this crazy thing that just sort of happened in the, in the city and, and to a comedian. And I was wondering if you'd, it, it didn't make it to Missouri. Hmm. No, I mean, I'm really disconnected from all comedy channels. Oh. Like, I, I browse, like, maybe two swipes of a finger on Facebook, and then I'm done. <laughs> well, I usually see something that's kind of bullshitty, and I roll my eyes, and then I just fucking shut it off. Do you, um, what do you spend your, what do you fill your time with now? Uh, I do a lot of reading, actually. Wow. Yeah, I'm reading, uh... This book called Outlaw Platoon, it's about this guy's uh, deployment uh, overseas to Iraq. He was a Marine Corps leader, and he was deployed for a full year. Yeah. So he did a full year out in the bush of the country, or whatever you want to call it. Is this, and this is in Afghanistan? Yeah. Ooh. So it's like and, a first-person uh, true narrative. It's it's a you're reading nonfiction. You're reading like yeah. memoirs. I I got on this big tangent because it's starting to get cold, and that's usually when work slows down for me. Ah. So last winter I got caught totally by surprise on that. So this winter I'm like I got a bunch of books. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Oh, Chuck Palahniuk's amazing. Yeah. Which so, one? Uh, uh, which one of his? The one called um, uh, "Snuff" is insane. Okay, uh, I got "Survivor." Oh, that one's great. Uh, Fight Club, of course. Well, oh, yeah, there you go. Fight Club is it's obviously. I am. I am Jack's unbridled rage. Um, 
Palinuk Lullaby is another good one. I should there's all of all of them are good. All of them are great. And he's a really interesting writer because he didn't start writing until he was older. He was like in his late thirties and he started going to writing workshops and he started workshopping these stories with people and people were like, Holy fuck, dude, you're really good. And he got this really cool, like underground base and people that just would follow him around and when you became part of his like book club or whatever he sends you like weird gifts like like air fresheners like tree tree shaped air bacon air fresheners for your car like just weird shit and he's loved his fans because his fans have always loved him he's he's a he's a great writer and he's weird as fuck yeah i i listened to him on joe rogan's podcast oh and uh i had known him of course through fight club but uh yeah, he was he was really interesting. I guess he, his agent stole a bunch of money from him. Oh, I didn't know about that. He was a machinist. He used to be like a guy who put machines together and took them apart and all that kind of stuff, and cars and blah blah blah. And then he became, uh, I guess it makes sense. I guess because if you have to put a machine together, all the parts have to work together, right? And so, same thing with the right. story. You're yeah. reading. Do you are you working out? I saw a picture of you on the internet. You look really skinny. Uh, kind of. I've been, I've been, since I quit drinking, I'm big on sugar, so I'll, like, crush uh-huh. a box of brownies, no problem. <laughs> uh, but now, now, now I'm getting into working out, and uh, I'm going to join a yoga place, a yoga studio, wow. and a uh, boxing workout gym. You don't fight people, you just punch the bag. Fun. But, uh, and yeah, yoga. so I'm trying to, I, I created, I rebooted Tinder. You rebooted Tinder. I did. I'm not supposed to date till June of 2020, as per a verbal agreement with the rehab facility. Right. But I don't want that date to come around, and then I have to relearn everything. So I'm trying to kind of stay current, stay dating. Uh, this really attractive 39-year-old chick who, like, every picture of her is in workout shit, is working out. And we became a match, and she liked my shit. And I'm terrified to send that bitch a message. I'm not going to message. <laughs> You're so funny, though. You can say something. I, I just came up with a new joke last night, but it, it only works for... Um, I, I don't know if it'll work for me or not, because obviously... I mean, it's one of those things I just lie on stage. But um, I always like to do meth on a first date so that I know that we have some chemistry between us. <laughs> Should I say make meth or do meth? Uh, or LSD? Well, you could spin it into a positive and be like, on a first date, I always like to give the guy math. That way, we have some chemistry between us, and I know she likes math. (laughs) I was thinking LSD wouldn't be another good one because it involves chemistry. Right, but I think meth due to the Breaking Bad hype train is more. Right, right. Well, the hype train—that's true. That I should, I should, hop on that hype train. I always like to give a guy. Speaking of meth, how's Zach Wiseman been? I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him since. I haven't seen him since outside of Blondie's on September second. I was. It was a Monday, and I was doing a show at Blondie's with Evie Diamond. She's a lovely human being, and he walked outside and I saw him and he was wearing a white suit and he was wearing a, a bow tie, like a pink bow tie. And I said, geez, Zach, you look great. I'm so excited to see you. You're still alive. I'm so happy. And that was the last time I saw him. I haven't seen him since. And I, and it's not for not looking. I mean, I, the last I heard he was living on Mission Street. So I've been like, every time I go down minute, Mission Street, like day or night, I'm like, Zach, like boy, boy, <laughs> little boy. 
Boy, boy. Right. So he just got kind of kicked out of Sylvan, and then everything fell apart from there. I think so, yeah. I mean, I I hope he's okay. It's one of those things where, like, I I had to change the locks at here because I was afraid when I was in Greece that he would he might overdose or something. And yeah. heroin's no joke. Although some people say that you can't overdose from smoking heroin, but I think that's dumb. I think that's a total lie. You could absolutely overdose from smoking heroin. Right. Well, I mean, I think that you could get that heroin and it could be mixed with fentanyl. Right. And that probably would do you in more than uh, just straight heroin by itself. Right. The fentanyl is the killer. You see it? Are oh, you dude. seeing people dying of fentanyl around your parts? Oh, man. I, I know, like, fuck, seven or eight people that have died from it. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. That's crazy. That's so, like that's like suicide out here. But um, no, I'm kidding. Right? Yeah. So I don't understand that the girl was in because at the end of his special, he rolls pictures. Yes. Is she in one of those pictures? Yes. And so what was it like? Because it just seemed like him with people. It didn't seem like you know. Look at this stupid bitch. Right? Like, no, no. It, I think it was all positive and everything. But so she was, so she was in the end of the thing at the special credits or whatever, and. I mean, I think that a lot of people said, oh, well, it, it, people, you should blame him because, so, anyways, I felt like in his special that he could talk about anything he wants because he's like a black guy and he's hilarious and he's been doing comedy forever. And for him to do like a 12 minute bit on the LGBTQ community when he's not part of it is like, dude, you could have talked about anything. And you chose to talk about that. And was it funny? I mean, I think I laughed the thing about the car and the people and who's in what seat and what's going on and the, right the, and all that. But it's like, I'm also not, I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, I identify as a little bit queer, but I don't, I also don't want to say that because I don't want to reappropriate their thing. Like they're gay. That's their thing. So it's like, if you're gay and that's your thing, then that's like a thing you can talk about. It's just like how I can't get up on stage and talk about the N-word because I'm not black. Like, no matter how much I identify with, like, the struggle and strife and years of oppression, I, it's not my truth, so it's not something I'm going to talk about. And yet, he chose to do that. So, if I was a person who was of that ilk or whatever the letters have. <laughs> ilk? I don't think ilk's the proper term. <laughs> Probably not. See, I'm so on PC. You could say persuasion. Persuasion. Although, I just, if I was of that type of persuasion, I would, I would probably take some umbrage to him talking about that and being like, I don't know. It, it'd be the same thing like whenever uh, recently a young kid got up on stage and he starts talking about menopause and I'm like, fuck your face, little baby. Get you, you, one, you're a dude. Two, you're 20. You have no, you get to say nothing about this. You don't, you don't get to talk about it. Unless it's about like, may I get you an ice water because you're sweating. Like, you don't get to like make jokes about menopausal women when you're a 20 year old dude. It's the same thing. It's, it's for me, that's kind of how I saw it. And that maybe... There was a lot of pressure that was brought against her after, like, the picture or something. And, I mean, the Internet's a terrible, cruel place where people are mean and, and comedy's hard. And, uh, you know, and, and being trans, I'm sure, is, like, on top of all of that is crazy hard. So, I, I, I mean, I understand why, I, I don't know, suicides suck. So, we're going to have a, we're having, like, a, 
like a thing. We're going to raise money for suicide awareness because, you know, don't. Yeah, they actually they had yourself. a big. Uh, two times we've had what they call safety lunches. Oh. And that's where the uh, main contractor of the job site goes out and buys lunch for every single person. Cool. And in this case, you're talking like 600, 700 people. Whoa. And we've had two of them. One of them, and each time there's like a speaker that's involved that talks to you about safety in some way. Sure. Uh, the first one we did was about tying off and harnesses and wearing your harness and tying off. And, of course, it's the iron workers, we're the crazy fucks that are out there not tied off. Yeah, why would you? Shit. You're supposed to tie off, though, right? Why aren't you tying off, Steve? Just because, for one, we're setting up the structure that that shit gets set on to. Oh. So we can't set it up till we have our stuff in place. Now, for the most part, we do tie off uh, when available. That being said, not always available. <laughs> so, the other time was for suicide awareness. Really? Because apparently, uh, for if you're a white man in construction, you are the most likely to commit suicide. Wow! At the job site or just in general? In general. Okay. Construction being the top trait because... You know, you get a great paying job, and then once the thing that you've built is built, there's not always work lined up for you afterwards. Right. So, now, apparently, men and women attempt suicide an equal amount. Really? But men usually choose more violent means of guns, shit like that, and therefore are more successful than, like, a girl that takes pills that doesn't take enough. A or cowardice woman who takes pills. No, I'm, that's how I yeah, do like, it. There's a greater window for someone to find you. Right. Interesting. So, but we had to, they had to talk. We have stickers on our hard hat. <laughs> that it's like a ribbon, whatever the national suicide ribbon is. And uh, the phrase, are you okay? Oh, are you okay? And so they did like this very corporate cheesy like if someone starts making comments like they're not gonna be around anymore like shit like that but they did tell us a story about a construction worker who went to kansas city they were building an 18-story building he was working on the 12th floor he showed up to work gave all the young apprentices all of his tools gave a guy his last two packs of cigarettes Ooh. and then jumped off the building and killed himself. Whoa. Whoa. So, and you just, yeah, he like, needed one person to say, are you okay? Oh. Basically. But uh, uh, the other thing that they were telling us is that for us, there are some people out there that they have some statistical number that I'm not aware of, of women who particularly target construction workers uh, with the intention to marry them to get their benefits and their, like, money so they can get paid alimony and everything else. And because out here, we don't really have a whole lot of businessmen or shit like that. And uh, apparently, like, 
those super wealthy people can hire lawyers to better fight shit, whereas construction workers are more of just like, okay, I'll just pay you. Wow. So yeah. it was that was a safety meeting too. That was a safety lunch where they're like, watch out for these gold digger. <laughs> yeah, well, you kind of because it was about like people being upset about relationships. Oh, and I guess and like, so. If you got married, and she was specifically targeting your stuff, she'd make your life miserable so that you'd want to kill yourself and then she'd get all the benefits. That's pretty well, that, fucked up. Just, uh, you know, if you have a kid together and you work construction, that means you're based on hourly wage. It's not like you're going to have a great gig and get a bunch of money one time. Like, you know, if you're getting a bunch of money, it's because you're working a lot of hours. If you're working a lot of hours, you can't really take care of your kids. Right. You know, so if you generally favor towards the woman, and then the woman, they don't have alimony anymore, they have maintenance. They have what? Maintenance. Maintenance. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's the term they use now. Maintenance. Because you have to maintain the standard of living that they were accustomed to before you left them in the divorce. No, I remember that. Because I was supposed to be able to get that if I wanted to because of the 50% thing and all that. Um, but I was like, nah, I'm not going to. I don't need that. I'll be right. okay. I'm not a gold digger. But some, if you're some lazy bitch that doesn't want to work on nothing. I mean, hey, it's a, marriage is a really interesting contract. I mean, who, who really benefits? Uh, and I guess if you, but if you have kids in a house and things, I mean, marriage works if you have money and you want to keep your money, or if you, if you, it's just like the, there'd be no reason for me to ever get married to anyone because I have no assets. Like it would be dumb. It would. Why? Why would they want to? But uh, so that now you have to take care of me, please. I don't need your help. But right. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a different kind of case. So you're gonna Tinder again? Well, no, I'm just dipping my toe into the dating world. Right. You're just swiping. Because at this point, like, I mean, I kind of did this big career change because I did want to have a family. Right. And I did want to meet somebody that I could have a family with. Uh, now, prenuptial agreement's going to be in that motherfucker. <laughs> Learn the lesson. Well, but that's the thing is that the, if she can take care of herself, I would think that the person you would want to be with wouldn't want to be like a kept woman anyways. Like she'd have her own shit going on, Right. Like yeah. you're not looking well, I mean, for... that's also too to try to define what I want. Ah. Uh. So that way I don't just hop on the first chopper at a NAM kind of thing. <laughs> right. Because I don't know why, man, but for some reason I got on this kick of dating fat girls. Huh. And it was girls that I was not sexually attracted to, but I was getting so fucking drunk all the time. I was like, well... This girl's really good at taking care of me. Right. So I guess I'll just bite my lip and try to imagine somebody else and have sex with this pig. Wow. Well, I mean, I imagine that the caliber of, a, like, um, physical attractive... No, that's not fair. I don't know. I don't know what it's like out there. I just assume that everybody is enormous in the Midwest. So that's not fair. And fat people aren't necessarily uh, ugly. I mean, I, I'm afraid of them and I'm, I'm a, because I'm afraid to become one. And 
I don't think that's ever going to happen at, at this point. I'm pretty old and I've never really been fat. So I think I'm, I think I dodged that bullet, but not that it's, a, I don't mean to be sizest either. I'm like, I feel terrible that you're, I mean, I don't know, do some push-ups, like eat a drink a smoothie. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a terrible person. My, my point of view now is if there's a fire and I can't carry you out, you're too big. Fair. I lift steel and fucking pipe and heavy shit all day long. If I can't roll you over my shoulder and carry you out in a fireman's carry, you're too big and you're going to die in that fire. <laughs> what if a and giant so I, bird, what if a giant bird comes and rips the roof <laughs> off? <laughs> that, that's, that's all I'm spinning it now is I'm not a sizeless person. I'm a safety person. Safe this. And if I can't carry you out of a fire, you're being unsafe, but I'm not going to stand for that. You're not, yeah, you're not a sizeless, you're a safety person. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So uh, you can't, is it part of the, are you like, it's part of the meetings you go to or something? They say you can't date for a year or you signed a thing that said, because you're, you're half a year in, right? You're six months in here to sobriety. I don't think, I mean, it's been since June. June. So I don't think we're, we're at six months. Oh, almost. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I mean, it was just like understood like, hey, if you're all about taking care of yourself, statistically, you shouldn't date until uh, you're a year in. And my buddy, I told that to my buddy who also, just by regular chance, maybe three days after me, a good buddy of mine, he quit drinking as well. And But he's going the AA route. I'm not doing AA. Fuck that cult shit. <laughs> I'm doing one-on-one -on -one individual therapy every week. Great. And, uh, but my buddy was like, well, yeah, you're not supposed to date because you have nothing to offer. And I was like, fuck you, I got plenty to offer. <laughs> but, uh, now I see what he means in that I feel very much like a blank slate. Like, mm. the measurement of my success is really based around not doing things. Sure. Um, so, you know, being part of the tender, having to write my profile... I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, well, I used to suffer from PTSD. I pretty much have it licked now, but it could flare up unexpectedly, and I was a bad drunk, so I'm not drinking any. Like, it just seemed like all negative shit. I want to be right. like, well, I like rock climbing, and I like this particular office, and I'm into this. Like, I don't have any of that really built up yet. Well, it, it, when you present yourself as a wounded bird, then you find big mama birds that want to take care of you. Like, yeah. for a lot of and people, that stuff's, for a lot of people, that stuff's really attractive. Like, they're like, fucked up? Sweet, I'm in. Jump in with right. both feet. And I, I think that maybe from looking at some of your past relationships, you might be able to see some of that, like, the wounded, wounded baby bird syndrome thing, where, I mean. And that's the thing, is it wasn't consciously put out there, like, this was in my lure to catch this fish. It was just like, yeah. This bitch seems to like me, and no one else is around. Let's give her a shot. <laughs> well, I mean, scarcity too. It's difficult. I'm I'm losing my mind because I just started this menopause thing, and I'm I feel like I'm bipolar. I I honestly feel like I should go in and get some meds. Like I'm, it's but I don't want it. I don't want to be on meds because that's I don't want to do that. But I'm right. almost thinking like, geez, maybe I should. I'm going nuts. 
It's like what, I, I feel like a, I feel like a 14, 15 year old girl again. And this is, uh, I mean, it's it's crazy, and it's crazy because. I mean, all of these new comedians just keep rolling on through the doors and they're all so young and some of them are like really cute and I'm get like I might be like Weinsteining, not like I'm wine I'm not like getting in a bath of being like, Hey little boy, come wash my back. But almost as right. almost like as creepy I mean I've I'm I've gotten like I need I have some apologies to make to some people because like uh, but I, I swear I'm blaming it on my hormones being out of control. I feel like a 15-year-old girl, and I'm just like, there's boys everywhere. Look at them. Ah! Like, I can't. And it's not even like I'm going to do anything. I just, like, I've just been kind of creepy just because I'm like this weird, like I'm like staring at people, and I, it's it's bad news. There's young, there's some a young group of comedians, and they all work out, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> it's 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 difficult. Well, it's probably mm-hmm. also has to do with the fact that you know you were so oppressed growing up in high school in the super Catholic bullshit, and uh, you know then you got married super early. You were married for what ten years, wasn't it? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was with him for thirteen, but yeah, from nineteen to thirty-two. Yeah. yeah so, and you're technically in your going wild phase. You were little Miss Susie homemaker living that Jesus life. That's true. But this is the menopause, dude. I haven't had my period in two months. This is this is like... It's probably a combination. The baby maker is closing down shop, and it is putting out screaming, blaring alarms. It's like, it's like <laughs> we're closing up. Are you sure you don't want to get... You sure you don't want anything in here? Are you sure? Because we're almost right. done. I'm like, no, no, no. I prom- I've never wanted, I've never wanted a baby. And now all of a sudden I'm like, but do, do I, did I, should I like, no. And the answer to that is no, but still my body's like being weird. Oh, and I lost my sense of taste and smell a couple months back. Turns out pretty common for menopause. What? Really? Yeah. Oh, huh. Really? Like, so that's been going on. And then, I mean, I feel like I'm, I, I'm it's like it's like I'm having cold sweats from like you remember used to be an alcoholic, you know when like in the middle of the night you like get super sweaty and weird or in the morning because of like the alcohol sort of leaving your system or whatever. Sure. That? Well, that's what it's like a couple times a day for no reason, and sometimes the night like I haven't even had anything to drink, and suddenly I'm having like those super drenching sweats of like feeling like I'm about to become hungover like that feeling that like that like I want to get another beer so that I don't have to deal with this like I'm having that all, all of it without drinking it's just like all of a sudden <laughs> almost like just like having a spontaneous fever kind of yeah well like or I'm almost about to have a seizure because it's like I get sweaty and almost like tunnel visiony like like as if something's gonna like I even I have to sit down like it's like my whole body just like what changes like all of a sudden boom and I'm sweating and I'm looking it's almost like I'm gonna pass out kind of feeling but then I don't then I'm fine I mean I'm fine it's just what happens I guess to all women (laughs) but it's it's the weirdest like I've never 
I haven't felt like this out of control of my body since I was like 14 and started getting my period and being like, why am I bleeding? What's going on? My like no cramps though. No like pain. Just like I'm going to pass out. Mania. And mania. Oh my God. So much mania. Oof. Yeah. So whoop de doo Welcome to my, but it's mostly, I think because I'm get I, I'm old now, dude. I'm 45. That's so old. That's not old. You have you work with? Are you with still a, smoking? Um, yeah. Not as you know. I mean, I don't buy. I still don't buy them. But when Jonathan and I were in Greece, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna smoke." And then we came back, and I. I mean, I don't buy them, but when he has them, I smoke them, and and not too many because I'm usually working when I'm at the bar now. Like he's outside smoking, having fun, and I'm like, you know. Making people. Yeah, food. you don't have the luxury of having smoking bars still. No, that exists. Oh God. Oh yeah. Have you quit all that too? Are you like super? Cigarettes. Uh, I've been working with my therapist. We're set a quit date for November first. So oh wow. Gonna start tapering off, and then I'll use. Uh, he has some fancy word. Uh, nicotine supplements or some. You can use the gum. Thing. The gum or the patch. Gum patch, the even pa- dip. As long as I'm not hurting my lungs. Fair. The uh, the the patch is crazy. Um, you have to take it off before you go to bed, because it gives yeah. you crazy dreams. Like that's, that's what he was telling me. Like totally vivid, super scary, crazy stuff. Ooh, I had this crazy dream last night that I was living in a van, like in a tropical place like Hawaii or something, and I was with my cat. But my cat had left the van and was underneath the van and I was trying to get the cat out. And then I looked out the window and there was this huge like black tornado, big swirly cloud. But everything else was super blue and it was just like this dark, scary thing that was like swirling around. And I was like, get in here, cat, get cat, cat. I was like getting the cat in the thing. And then I'm in there with the cat and I was like... If it picks me up, what do I do? Do I like, am I going to get crushed? Like, what's the safest thing to do? Do I put myself in the seatbelt and, and hold on to the cat? Like, it was the weirdest, like, scariest thing. My mom is all about analyzing dreams. Oh. And she's told me a lot of different things. The only thing I remember or can tell you is that any kind of tornado or swirling is supposed to represent change. Oh. <laughs> so it sounds like it's the same with what's going on with it. Yeah, it sounds like it's exactly it's good. Get your, get your cat. Get in the van. <laughs> it's right. Lock the doors. Bat down the hatches. Because <laughs> it's because I'm literally I'm literally changing. And I watched that presidential debate shit last night. My God, Elizabeth Warren looks great. She's like six. I'm like, who is your dermatologist? Are you getting Botox? Because she looks. She's like in her 60s. And I, right. I just couldn't. And she looked like she just came out of yoga class. And I was like, ugh. Anyway. What are you, so what is your prediction on that? You think Trump's going to win again? Uh, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, same yeah, here. Yeah, it's really unfortunate, and I shouldn't say it out loud. But watching the, watching the 12 of them last night on the days and just infighting and that Elizabeth Warren is the front runner, but they were all just taking her down. And it's like, we need to unify friends. We need to not tear apart because like if people, people are still going to vote. 
I can't believe they're going to vote for him, but they still will. Even though he's an idiot, he has no idea what he's doing. We have to, I mean, he has to be impeached. He can't. If he, if he runs for a second term, he'll win. And then, what do we, then we impeach him then? But then he'll say, well, you're only impeaching me because I won. And then it's like, then that whole civil war thing that he's predicted on Twitter will absolutely come to the fray because he's the one who has all his supporters have guns. Like the rest of us, we're in California. We ain't no got no guns. We're always triggered. We can't have guns. And so all of his crazy weirdos are going to rise up and be like, civil war. We've been waiting for this confederacy. We'll ride again. Ah, we hate the black people. Woohoo! People on yeah, welfare. I mean, boom, boom, boom. Like The problem is, is that the majority of people in this country are fucking Stupid. Yes, and they'll they literally believe anything that you tell them, especially if you have some perceived position of power, like police, priest, president, anything inside of the P. Really, you're gonna fuck everything up. <laughs> but, but you know, they they he just says something, and people are like, "Yeah, that's exactly what it is. This is my guy." Right. And there's no like correlation of thoughts. It's more politics used to be about trying to figure out the best possible solution for everybody. And now it's more of like a sports event where it's like, yeah, my team, my team won. Fuck you guys. Kick your ass. Right. And you're like, dude, like you don't understand what has happened. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that, you know, are very, because they're stupid are susceptible to the whole fear angle. You know, black people are going to rape your women, and right. Mexicans are going to steal your jobs. And they're like, fuck yeah, they are. I saw a black guy do it once. <laughs> no, it's the, yeah, it's falling into the stereotypes and saying like this, that, but it, rather than working together. What do you think about the Andrew Yang? What do you think about the, the $1,000 a month for everybody? For every American over the age of 18, you get $1,000. I, mean, I, I feel like a lot of the Democrats have really good positions. But I feel like it's interpreted as, hey, here's this complex thing that we're going to do that's going to change stuff. Well, I don't like change. Right. Well, here's the deal. This is what we're going to do. Oh, that sounds really complicated. Sounds like socialism. Yeah, sounds like socialism. Well, fuck that. I don't even know what that is, but I don't like it. That's, that's the mentality I see in people. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, it's scary. Well, the one thing that Andrew Yang said, though, I read the whole thing of how he's going to give $1,000 to each person, is that if you already have any services, you can keep your services or you can take the $1,000. So if you're on disability, there's no more disability. You can either, if you're on food stamps, there's no more food stamps. You can either keep your food stamps and not take the money or you can take the money and the food stamps are gone. So I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll take the money. I only get a hundred bucks in food stamps. Give me the thousand. But then I thought, what if that also includes Medi-Cal? Because I can't live without my Medi-Cal. If I had to pay for my own insurance, well, I couldn't. I can't afford, I, I don't make enough money to do it. And if they gave me a thousand bucks, does that mean that I just have to buy my own insurance? Like, I, I don't know. I'd kind of rather keep, I mean, if it came down to it, I'd rather keep the insurance than taking an extra thousand a month. Because then if I have to pay out of pocket for all of my medical services, I'm fucked. Like if anything happens to me. And anyway, so I, I, I finally shot holes in his plan. I'm like, oh, if I could keep my Medi-Cal and get an extra $1,000 a month, my whole life would change. It would be amazing. <laughs> it would. 
But then like someone like my, my brother, oh my God, before I let you go, I have to tell you this. This is the craziest. I got like the craziest, weirdest, I'm not going to say the best birthday present ever because I actually had to buy him drinks. But my brother texts me on my birthday. He's like, hey, I just happened to be in San Francisco to do this thing. I have a couple hours free. Do you want me to take you to dinner? I said, well, I can't. I have a comedy show, but maybe you want to come see me at this comedy show. And he did. He came out and he met me at Bender's and he sat on the back patio and we had a beer. And then we went to that Zorba's show in the church. You remember Zorba's show in the church? And um, so it's a free vegan meal, which is funny, in a church with a primarily questionably housed audience and my brother was there and I, I did like 10 minutes and afterward he told me I was funny he'd never seen me do comedy and he's like you're, you're actually pretty you're really good and I was like oh my god and he was like he's like you were better than everyone else that was on that show and I was like oh my god um, and then we went back to Bender's and had one more beer and then he left to go pick up his boss at this thing and but it was like crazy like I felt like he respected me and like what I was doing and he kept saying like about vendors he's like this place is really cool I'm like I know I work here um and so it was like this big like it was really neat it was like um closure I would say right yeah I think you were searching for that acknowledgement from your family definitely yeah well, if he finally saw me do comedy and I'm, I'm in this festival up there in Portland and my parents aren't going up cause they suck. But the rest of the family, he's like, yeah, I'll come see you in the festival. And I was like, Oh my God, that's great. So finally there's like some validation for my, what I've been, you know, doing with my life right. <laughs> from my family. Have you ever seen Jonathan's cousin? <clears throat> Have I seen Jonathan's cousins? Yeah. Which ones? Trevor? The ones in the band? Oh no, Trevor! No, no, no. His other cousins have a are in a band that's playing this Friday at the rickshaw stop called. Oh, what is the name of it? Something Oliver Riot, and um, his other cousin Chrissy. I've met her a lot. I know his family pretty well. But no, um, I tried to contact um, him, and so did Jonathan through Facebook to ask if he'd come out for like the festival or come perform, and I, we never got an answer. Hmm. I mean. It's, but it's, he's part of that. I mean, I went to, I went to their, someone's house or whatever. They're, they're all related. It's weird. And he is part of the family. Right. But, you know, famous What's, uh, what's old Aaron Barrett been up to? Oh, uh, he's great. I saw him the other day on the street. I saw him on Monday. He still works at Doc's Clock, but he is the drum tech for Will Carroll of Death Angel. So he's going on a tour with them really soon, actually, all over the United States and I think Canada and Mexico. And um, he goes on tour with them. He's their drum tech. And he sets up the drums and gets them all ready. And, and, then, uh, and then during the show, he doesn't have to do anything. And then he has to take everything down, you know, at the end. And take right. the drums apart and blah, blah, blah. But it's pretty cool. So, yeah, he's, he's doing really well. Every, someone asked about you the other day. Who was it? <coughs> um, I was here at Joke Workshop. And they said, we, they heard your voice on the... I still use you for the commercials, uh, scurvy shit makes shit face McRat and all that. And someone was like, "How is how is Steve doing?" I said, "Oh, he's an iron worker now." And it was John Gallagher. Okay. He asked how you were, and I said, "He's a he's an iron worker now in in St. Louis, and he's been sober for a long time for you know a couple months, and he's not doing comedy anymore." And everyone was like, "Why? Why is he not doing comedy?" I'm like, "He's just focusing on other things." 
But if you can come back in March, you should headline the festival. Woo! Oh, that, that, that'll probably be too soon. That'll be me coming out of my slow work spell. <coughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah, we don't want to... And it'd be hard, too. I'm sure we'd trigger you with, like stuff that that would be yeah what are you gonna difficult. do with me when i'm not drinking or smoking anything i don't know I'll be like, you guys go get fucked up i'll sit in the apartment and read hang out with the cat perfect yeah no well we don't have to get i don't have to get fucked up all the time come on actually i've oh god when was it? i gotta you know facebook will be like hey remember this picture yeah it was uh it was me and spike oh yeah i know Oh, my buddy. I miss that cat. Zerdon is nothing like Spike, but he is getting nicer. He's learning how to snuggle. He doesn't try to sneak out the window on you, does he? No, but we keep the windows closed, so he doesn't try to sneak anywhere. He's a scaredy cat. He doesn't um he doesn't even go in the hallway. He just doesn't he likes his little world. It's good stuff. Well Does he still claw Jonathan like Spike did? Well, that's Jonathan's fault. Right. Because he plays with him like that. I'm like, your hand is not a toy, but you made your hand a toy. He never attacks me because my hand is not a toy. My hand is for petting. His hand is for playing. So he constantly gets ripped up. I'm like, you taught the cat that your hand was a toy. And now you wonder. I, I texted Jonathan and I was wondering if he had heard any more about Chris and that whole thing. And no, we'll have to. started working at a new grow. Yeah, he's actually... Um, he just got employed by a new grow up that's totally legal and it's like you get a W-2 and everything and uh, he's just doing a, like a day a week because he wants to get back into growing and so he's trying to kind of work with his schedule on both places so that he can cultivate again and use his skill as a, as a landscape artist. Right. <laughs> the sickness so, is upon me. No one ever heard nothing about old Chris, huh? Not yet. He's probably still in jail. I mean, it's got to be hard. Like, what's, I mean, he should have gone legal. He could have gone legal because kind of everybody got grandfathered in, but he was just greedy. He didn't want to pay well, the extra stuff. I don't know, man. I mean, that guy was so weird about, he would have us start the week by building something. We'd finish it in the middle of the week. And then by the middle of the week, he would have us tearing it down and starting to build something else. Well, and it was like, I mean, I never saw, I, it's, it was almost like this is the best thing that could have happened to him because he was literally just going crazy. Right. <laughs> Give him but some yeah, quiet I, time in a jail cell. He had cameras and still saw the hippies come in and didn't do anything about it. Right. It was like he wanted to get caught. I mean, it might have been his, his only way out because... I imagine when you get busted for shit like that, they're not exactly going to make you pay fucking your $64,000 PG&E bill and shit. Good point. Yeah, what are they what are they going to come after once they've seized everything? You have no more you have no more product. I can't imagine. I hope he's okay. I mean, I don't want him to get desperate and, you know. Right. It'd be funny if he showed up fucking in a suit super Christian and gave Donovan the money he owed him. <laughs> That'll never, we've already said goodbye to that money. That's been gone. That's gone. Yeah. That money doesn't exist. Well, you're the best. I miss you. I wish you could come out, but I totally understand. I want to wish you luck in your sobriety and continued enjoyment of yeah, reading. Actually, probably uh, this time next year, uh, I'll be looking to plan a trip because I want to go uh, 
swim with the uh, great white sharks in the cage off of Fair Long Island. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. In a cage, sure. I'm all about doing crazy shit. Sure. Well, I, I mean, you used to do it when you were drunk, and now you can just remember it. It'll be great. Right. Jumping you know, off. I've had such severe memory loss. What? Like, not only from, like, being blackout drunk, but just, like, extended memories. Like, I... I can barely remember when I dated Tess briefly. Oh, wow. I remember like, that super clearly. <laughs> shit like that, I just don't remember anymore. Probably a lot of it's too been kind of pushed out of my brain with all of the knowledge I've been gaining from doing this new job. Sure. But, and reading. Yeah. You're filling oh, your brain God. with stuff you want to fill it with. That's good. People are like, hey, you remember that da 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 And I'm like, oh, not at all. No, no memory of it. Not even a little. Well, yeah. I'll remember things for you. Um, well, yay. Thanks for calling in. It was really, really lovely to talk to you. And this has been the AltaCast. And this has been Steve Poggi. And we miss you. And I'll say hi to Jonathan. And um, we'll talk soon. All right. Take, Take you the best. Easy. Bye. Yay. Well, that was that. And this is this. And now we're going to move on to Some Call Me Tim with... Special call-in guest today, Matthew Quirk. He's going to be calling in, excited about that. And uh, yay, yay for Mutiny Radio. That was really fun to, to talk to Steve Poggi. He's a buddy, and I miss him. Let's put this in. I'm ta- it's so funny because I'm talking to all boys about menopause, which like makes no sense. 